Hello and welcome to another NL Full Time. I'm Rob Worrell. I'll introduce our guests in just a moment. But uh, as we record this on the Sunday uh, early evening, actually, um, it's another weekend in which the National League has shown the nation just how narrow the gap in quality is now between the top end of non-league and the EFL. And I'm talking, of course, about the FA Cup. Now, joining me on this uh, Sunday evening to uh, having kept a close eye on events across the three national leagues, um, as ever at the weekend, is Bucks writer himself, Dickie Wharton. Hi, Dickie. Hi, Rob. Good to see you. Yeah, not too much action in the national leagues, apart from the south, um, north and the national league itself, very badly hit by the weather. Very badly hit by the weather. Some of them with really good planning and consideration and others very, very close to kick off. We'll, we'll come back to them in a minute. But uh, we couldn't possibly review the second round of the FA Cup without Mr FA Cup fact file himself, Phil Annette. Welcome, Phil. Hi, Rob. Always uh, good to jo join you guys uh, on your review of how the National League teams have done in the FA Cup. Exactly that. We'll look, of course, at the National League, National League North, National League South action a little bit later. But uh, let's get started with the FA Cup. And uh, top honours really have to go to three National League clubs who have knocked out sides from not one, but two divisions higher. We'll pick our way through them in just a minute. But uh, without mentioning teams at this stage, Phil, off air, you and I had a conversation. You said the average number of non-league sides over recent years that make it through to round three. So typically, averages out at about three clubs, doesn't it? We have no. a big chance of of that being higher this season. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, but since the current structure was put in place in, uh, well, 98 years ago now, uh, yeah, on average, there's been three non-league teams in the third round of the FA Cup. Eastleigh took on League One Reading at the Silver Lake and two poacher finishes from the prolific Paul McCallum, his 17th and 18th goals of the season. The latter one being a scrambled effort over the line in the 94th minute. Saw Eastleigh defeat League One Reading, two goals to one. It looked like Reading had earned themselves a replay with a thunderous strike relatively late on. But uh, they didn't um, count on, on Mr McCallum doing the business again, did they, Dickie? Um, terrific season Paul McCallum's having, playing for a club and for a manager that believes in him and uh, he's he's paying the back in huge dividends, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He always seems happier um, when he's in the south, doesn't he, Paul McCallum? I know his, his trip's a little bit further north to Solihull and then Chesterfield. Neither of them really worked out, but um, clearly... Um, being closer to home suits him very much indeed. And he's enjoying playing up front with Scott Quigley as well. Um, the pair of them, I won't go, I won't say veteran, but they're both very, very experienced and, and they would be a handful for a lot of teams. It was a fairly youthful Reading lineup as well today. And um, certainly the point that Reading's goal went in, um, the, I watched it on TV and the commentators were suggesting there's three minutes now for Reading to win this. And I remember thinking, well, if you're Reading, you, you're not going to try and push and get anything here. And, and at that point, I was thinking this game is finishing 1-1. But yeah, a corner... It falls nicely for McCallum. I think there might have been a suggestion that he uh, that it might have brushed his arm a little. He brushed that aside when he was asked that in the post-match interview. And yeah, a poacher's goal and Eastley go through. Terrific stuff, Phil. Talk to me about Eastley's FA Cup record. Uh, they're through to the third round. Is that the first time or have they been there before? 
it's actually the furthest they've gone, but they uh, have been in the third round twice before, um, seven and eight years ago. You might remember they had a game against Bolton Wanderers and uh, were ever so close to knocking them out, uh, only to concede a goal, I think, in the last minute uh, of that match and losing the replay. Um, so, yeah, it's fantastic for the Spitfires to get themselves through to the third round and... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, going to be a potentially interesting time. We'll talk about the, the, the opponents later on, but it could be um, something significant for the FA Cup. Absolutely. I'm glad that your finger's on the pulse with the draw. I'm not totally across that. I know one or two of them, so we'll fill in those blanks as we go. OK, then on to Maidstone. And uh, despite exhaustive attempts... <laughs> This is becoming a running theme now, trying to get George Ellicobi on this podcast. Uh, thank you very much, George Fowler, for trying to assist me. But uh, we failed, uh, sadly, miserably again. And we, we've we also failed in our attempts to get Bivish Gurung on, which is such a shame, Bivesh, because we wanted to call this podcast Gurung Ho. Um, it was a fantastic Gurung strike, Um relatively late on, I think, 75th minute that ultimately took Maidstone through against League Two Barrow, a side who've been on a pretty long unbeaten run themselves. Um, and uh, earlier on, Sam Corn had got the first Maidstone goal. But uh, terrific stuff down in Kentville. And um, now, I don't normally do this research, and I'm hoping you'll just confirm this, but I heard Maidstone through to round three for the first time since 1988. Well, it all depends on whether or not you believe this current Maidstone is the same as the original one that was uh, that, that folded back in 1992. I know the fans do, and of course they do. It's the same club as far as they're concerned. Um, but for me, they came from a different place, and uh, this is the first time they've managed to get through at, in the current guise. And uh, that's, for me, it should be something to celebrate, I think. Absolutely. Um, another reason it would have been good to have got Bivesh Gurung on is that uh, and I did nick this one off match of the day if, if I'm honest but he was due to come off um, they, they, they'd had the board ready for him to come off for several minutes but uh, then he got his goal and somebody else got injured so he stayed on but uh, apparently he's given the credit to his mum who's told him to shoot more um, and I don't know if you've seen the shot yet Dickie have you but uh, a cracking strike to win any game of football no, I haven't. But, you know, who can go wrong if they uh, follow the, the advice of their mother, really? <laughs> We've had mothers uh, ringing up managers and telling them their sons should be in the team before, shouldn't they? I wonder if she was uh, she was there on the sidelines behind the dugout saying, don't you dare take him off. <laughs> oh, next up, Chesterfield, who, well, making round three is becoming a bit of a nice habit for the Spyrites, isn't it, Phil? It is actually, yeah. It's um, fabulous to see them make it through again. Uh, third successive season that they've managed to get through to the third round and it's only the fifth time in the competition's history since the current structure was put in place that a non-league team has managed to make the third round in three consecutive seasons as a minimum. Um, the first one was way back at the start in 1925-26 season. That was Corinthians and they were actually exempted to the third round for the first eight seasons after the new structure was put in place. So no wonder they got there. So really, there's only been four, um, Altrincham, Dagenham and Redbridge, and very recently, Bourne Wood, who've managed to make the third round in three years on the run. 
Yeah, well done. The Spy Rights, um, Leighton Oren actually scored the winner, but sadly for Idris El Mazzuni, uh, the ball went into his own net. I think it was Ollie Banks who sort of drove in a cross-come shot and Mazzuni, El Mazzuni headed it up in the air. Beautiful looping header it was, if you're a Chesterfield fan. And it, uh, it, re- it beat the despairing dive of the Orient keeper. Now, we doff our caps at this point to non-league Horsham, who bowed out of the FA Cup, Phil, for the second time after being <laughs> reinstated at uh, Sutton. And also to Scarborough, who may yet be reprieved. Tell us more about that, Phil. Yeah, so obviously uh, Horsham got a reprieve because Barnsley uh, uh, played an eligible player in the replay. And as an aside, that's a, a good example as to why we should keep replays. Because if we didn't have that replay, they wouldn't have got that reprieve. Um and so, yeah, not many clubs get to lose two FA Cup games in a season. Um, but, you know, they'll be proud of what they've achieved. Uh, they made the second round, uh, which is the furthest they've gone, equal to what they've done in the past. So they'd have had a fantastic season. But, yeah, the Scarborough Athletic thing, it's a little bit up in the air. Forest Green Rovers are being investigated for playing an eligible player, whether or not that leads to them then being disqualified. Um, if you do that as an FA Cup historian, that's a, a significant event in itself because it'll be the first time ever that two football league sides have been disqualified in the same season. Um, so it's unprecedented uh, for that. But uh, if they do, that, then will the FA then say that Scarborough Athletic will take their place? Or will they say, because the third round draw has already, already happened, will they just put Blackpool through? So I suspect if they do find that uh, Forest Green have played a player that shouldn't have played that they will reinstate Scarborough Athletic but you never know with the FA Any thoughts on that one Dickie obviously Scarborough team you know well Yeah they are and uh, I know they, they took a bit of a hiding when they um, they lost to Forest Green in the second game there but they were within seconds of going through in the original tie um, so Forest Green saved themselves on the day and then it's something that's happened off the pitch um, that, that possibly got them kicked out of the competition. I mean, Scarborough, um, I don't know how. I, I would imagine fans of Scarborough would would push pretty hard to be put back into the competition if that was the case. You know that that, And I think that that's got to be the case, really. I don't think that you can just allow... Blackpool to go through on that basis because it sets a precedent, doesn't it? And and you know there is already precedent there that you put teams back into the competition. So yeah, fair enough, fair fair enough. I'm glad I came to you. Sorry, Phil. Did you want to add? Well, I just say the FA have proven in the past they're not consistent in how they handle these things. So you just you just don't know. You you've got to presume, Nick, uh, Dickie, that you're right, but um, you can never can tell with the FA. So Horsham gone, Scarborough may be reinstated. And uh, let's also just briefly, although we don't cover that level, let's uh, uh, wish all the best to Ramsgate, who will take on AFC Wimbledon on Monday evening and could become another non-league club through to the FA Cup third round. And uh, obviously, by the time we get to the third round, if there's two or three non-league clubs in, we almost half expect them to be from the National League, but that might not be the case. Um Aldershot Town created all the headlines in round one with their redonkulous 7-4 victory at League Two Swindon. Phil came on to tell us that that was a record, the only non-league team ever to score seven goals away from home against a Football League club in the FA Cup. And after all the practice, Phil, I'm getting that one right now. Um, <laughs> their reward for that was the visit of League Two leaders Stockport County. 
Um, I was there uh, along with 4,755 others, a terrific crowd at the EBB. And they saw a really good FA Cup tie, actually. Um, the shots took the lead in the first half. Josh Stokes finishing, albeit via the aid of a deflection after good work down the left from Ryan Glover. And uh, then Stockport got level at, uh, before half time. So the sides were level at the break and Stockport took the lead just 45 seconds into the second half before Aldershot again uh, scored through Josh Stokes. Um, Dickie, goals number 11 and 12 of the season now for the young 19-year-old. Uh, and he's uh, he's really starting to catch people's eye, isn't he? I would think so. And, and you know, goals in a game such as this one today are only going to... Um, increase that focus on him um i don't know if you're feeling uh, particularly edgy about january rob you know if uh, if it was an offer to come in for him but yeah he's having a terrific season and you know we have to give credit to tommy widrington for you know playing him but you know giving youth its head in that side it's a very exciting older shot team that you've got this season to watch and you know the credit for that does have to come back to the manager for you know who he's uh, for how he's gone about his business I, I only watched um well we'll come to it shortly i'm i'm sure but um york city on Friday evening in their game. Um, obviously they went out to Wigan Athletic in that one but Tyler Corden was playing and if I think about the the way that you know the the rebuild or the or the, the of older shot that's been partially funded, I would imagine, out of the sale of Tyler Courtney, you have to say it's turned out to be a pretty good deal for the shots. It has absolutely. Or it should be said, of course, that um, with Josh Stokes and Laurent Tolage, there wasn't really much in the way of finances involved in those deals. Uh, there may well be when those players move on again. Um, just. One thing I need a little bit of help here from 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 you, Phil. Obviously, that one will go to a replay, possibly Tuesday the twelfth of December, unless it's uh, changed uh, to go on to TV. Um, Stockport, of course, flying at the top of League Two, um, and Aldershot uh, coming out with a lot of credit in that one. I know, Phil, in terms of an FA Cup record, I think prior to this season, Aldershot have failed to make the first round five years running. Um, they have been this far in the competition, I know and I remember, but uh, um, just where are they in terms of the history of uh, the new side, the 1992 Aldershot Town side? Um, they're not too far off the best effort, are they? No, that's right. Yeah, they, they uh, managed to achieve the fourth round um, back in 2012-13 when they were last a football league side. Um, so that's their best run since the reform reformation as a non-league side um they made the third round back in 2006-7 so that's the last time they got to the third round as a non-league team so it would be quite an achievement to get that far again this season and not uh, not just um in terms of overall the progress but in terms of who they're up against because they have a wretched record against Dave Challenger and the funny thing about today was I think Stockport County historically have only ever won once at Aldershot, and that's old club and new. And that was on their last visit when they were roaring their way to promotion and they did it in second gear that day with a 2-0 win live on, on TV. But while Stockport don't have a great record at the EBB, Dave Challoner does. Um, and I think Aldershot have only beaten the Dave Challoner side once. So uh, we'll see who learns the most from that uh, exciting two-all draw and who can prevail at Edgeley Park in around about 10 days' time. 
Now, an 89th minute Danny Collins header earned Barnet a draw at another side, EFL side, Newport, uh, struggling a little bit themselves in the Football League. But uh, more kudos for, Dr- for Dean Brennan, Dickey, and uh, no surprises really with who popped up with the, uh, the header um, in terms of Danny Collins. No, absolutely not. And it is, um, you know, another uh, feather in the cap of Dean Brennan and, and his team that they're in the third round draw. Um, and they've got a really, really interesting looking draw out of what's come out of today. Um, clearly, they will replay at the Hive against Newport County in one assumes it will be nine, ten days time. But if they get through that tie, it's then set up an all non-league tie against Eastleigh. Because we've got various things. We've got Paul McCallum being at Eastleigh, being a former Barnet player. There's another interesting little storyline to that one. But of course, if it's National League against National League, it's a guaranteed National League involvement in round four, which would be terrific. Yeah, no, it's just, I guess the odds of Paul McCallum coming up against one of the sides he's formerly played for are, <laughs> are probably not quite as high as you might think. But uh... Prob- Probably a bit lower than they are for some players, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um... Phil, what about uh, Barnet in terms of their record in the FA Cup? Well, they've they've had pretty good runs in recent times. They've uh, they've made the fourth round uh, three times in the last fifteen years. Most recently, just five years ago. Um, but the, to be fair, the first two of those were when they were in the football league. So they did make the fourth round uh, in their first season as a non-league side again uh, back in 2018-19. But just want to touch on that potential all non-league third round tie. That is a very rare beast indeed. In fact, it's so rare, I made it the very last thing in my FA Cup 150 book. The very last stat that I put in there because it doesn't happen too often. It's only ever happened five times in the history of the FA Cup and not since uh, 2009 uh, when Kettering Town beat uh, Eastwood Town 2-1. So to get an all non-league third round tie is something special. And uh, with home advantage, uh, they've got a good chance to get there. Well, Phil, that's that's quite brilliant. And I think you've earned yourself a plug of your book, which is still available. And if people want to find out about it, um, I guess it's uh, FA Cup Fact File, isn't it? Yeah, just get in touch with me via FA Cup Fact File and ask me about FA Cup 150. Good stuff. Now, Dickie, um, National League North side Alfreton Town remain in the FA Cup with their game against Walsall being called off very, very close to the kickoff, um, I know there was a bit of controversy around that one. Just give us your take. Yeah, it was a, a very challenging day for, for Alfreton. Um, as I said, the game was called off very, very close to kickoff um, by referee Sam Allison. Um, it's a difficult one. Um, I is, can only assume that um, there was perhaps some additional pressure upon the referee in making a decision as to whether the game went ahead or not, um, based on the presence of the TV cameras. Obviously, if you've got live TV there, um, there might be just that little bit of an extra incentive to to try and get the game on. I do believe he he, he gave Alfreton every opportunity. I think they put extra resources into trying to get the, the, the game on and to keep the pitch uh, covered and keep the frost off it. But I think it was the case that when they took the covers off, it started to freeze. And of course, you can't play football on a pitch with covers on it. They've got to come off. Um, and it was at that point the concerns um, really sort of took hold. Um, I do feel a lot of sympathy for Sam Allison on this one. He's a former player. 
He did used to play in the non-league game. Um, so he does know what football is like from a player's side of things. Um, I do feel to a certain extent for the supporters on this one as well, because, you know, you don't like to think that you've traveled. It's not too far from Walsall to Alfreton, but having made that journey, you would like to think that the game is going to go ahead. Um, I think he was placed in a really, really difficult position. And it, literally, just as we've been talking here, I've been thinking about, you know, we talk about the pressures that television bring onto referees at the very top level through VAR and things like that. Here we've got an instance of press, of television perhaps putting additional pressure on a referee at a much lower level. But um, listen, he has to do what's right for the welfare of the players and to make sure people don't get injured. Um, I think Alfreton wanted to play the game. I listened to Billy Heath's post-match interview. Um he certainly wanted to play, but was very clear that, you know, look, it's in the referee's hands um, and they're just going to have to have another go. I suppose the disappointment for Alfreton is they're going to miss out potentially now on uh, a bigger broadcast fee. I think the game is going to be shown on BBC iPlayer. Um, so I don't know whether they'll get the same amount of money for that one. But, um, yeah, it'd be tough for them to miss out in such circumstances because I, I think they did everything they could. But, yeah, just beaten by the weather. And that one will take place, I believe, on uh, Tuesday. Yeah, this Tuesday, yes. Yeah, that's it. Um, Phil, just finishing off on the FA Cup. Um, sorry, as Dickie mentioned, sadly it wasn't to be for York City, who took on former FA Cup winners, uh, League One Wigan. Just the one goal in that one. Um, and uh, sadly for York, they bow out. And Yeovil Town... Um, Little more than a year ago, we're playing Wrexham in a league fixture um, and uh, they actually beat them at Hewish Park, didn't they? They met again on Sunday, though, and uh, there were two divisions between them now. And sadly uh, for Yeovil, that, that reflected itself in the result. Ollie Palmer and Sam Dolby on the score sheet there as the Dragons saw off the Glovers 3-0. Just to sum up where we're at, Phil, with um, the FA Cup, we've got three non-league sides definitely through haven't we we've got Chesterfield uh, we've got Maidstone and we've got Eastleigh and then we've got uh, what three four possibly five others still with some interest Aldershot with a replay Alfreton still to play their game against Walsall and Ramsgate of course to play AFC Wimbledon Mm -hmm. plus Scarborough so uh, a possible eight still Mm -hmm. which would be staggering and would that be a record you know so yeah, so yeah, so eight would equal the record of non non league clubs in the third round, which last happened in that two thousand and eight oh nine season, um, and that was a, the the year where I talked about where Kettering and Eastwood Town faced each other. So obviously, the more clubs you get in from the non league into the third round, the more chance there is that they might face each other in that round. But uh, you know, it'd be it'd be a, it'd be quite an achievement if all the remaining clubs still all got through as well as. The, the Scarborough Athletic, who aren't even in it at the moment. Phil, thank you very much indeed for joining us as uh, ever. And you know what? While there's still non-league sides left in the FA Cup, then uh, just keep coming on, OK? I will. Robert Long, may that last. And uh, always great to talk to you and Dickie and everyone from the team. We're going to look now at the National League. There were some games postponed due to clubs' involvements in the FA Cup. And there were some games postponed due to the weather, but three went ahead. And perhaps the most significant dicky was Bromley finding a way yet again to win a game of football. 1-0 against uh, an almightily impressive Rochdale 
um, just outside the playoff positions. It was an 80th minute goal from uh, Olamola. And what a, what a shrewd signing mid-season he's proved to be from Wealdstone. Um, he's already uh, paying back uh, that uh, undisclosed fee in, in, in big chunks, isn't he? Yeah, it certainly is. Um, Bromley up to second in the table. Um, saw the goal as well. It's a nice finish. It's um, a little bit of um, Rochdale unable to clear their lines and the ball drops very nicely for him and he puts it away. Um, Rochdale came into that one off the back of three consecutive wins as well and four wins in their last five. So they were in good form. So they did represent a fairly stern test for Andy Woodman's side. But um, yeah, they're, they're showing signs of being... Um, the, the likeliest people to to challenge Chesterfield if anybody is going to challenge Chesterfield for for direct promotion. Yeah, eight points behind them now, but they have played two games more, and it may prove too big a mountain to climb. But for the sake of everybody's interest in the national league, let's hope the gap does close and we have more than one team in the title race. I'm sure if you're a Chesterfield fan listening to that, you won't want to hear that comment. But uh, now Kidderminster, not too far from you, Dicky. Um, they've generally been known this season for some pretty dour scorelines at least in their home games uh, but lo and behold two games running they've scored a brace and someone who's been intrinsically involved in that is Mr Ashley Hemmings tell us more yeah, Ashley Hemmings, um, he was such a key figure for Kidderminster in their promotion last season. He really was a, 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 a talisman for them. And it was him that came up with two goals yesterday, both in injury time at the end of the first half uh, to secure a 2-0 win over Ebbsfleet. I have to say, Kidderminster have been fairly decent at home defensively. They, they do manage to keep it fairly tight, but that's usually been at the expense of scoring threat at the other end. Um, well, they ticked both boxes yesterday, which will uh, be a huge relief to manager Russ Penn. I think Kidderminster is showing signs of going in the right direction. We have They have got injured players to come back into the team um, and they're off the bottom which will be a, a big boost for them. They're up to 23rd. They've still got a lot of work to put in. But again, they are showing that they, they you know, Russ Penn hasn't lost the players there. They are all working hard for him. And if they can get those experienced players, um, uh, Leesley and Byrne and others back into the lineup, they're giving themselves a much better chance. Now, Kidderminster remain in the bottom four, as do Oxford City, who are uh, a bit of a difficult one to predict at the minute. They've, They've had a couple of four-goal wins and uh, they were on the other end of it on Saturday. The four promoted sides remain the bottom four. Woken and York just above them and, and Boreham Wood as well. But Maidenhead United, Dickie, six games ago, fell into the bottom four. Dev, find a way. He found a way. He's found a way. Six games running now. Maidenhead are second in the form table, only behind Chesterfield. Four wins and two draws. Uh, and somebody uh, who's played a big impact, certainly on yesterday's ring uh, win, was um, Sam Barrett, who uh, keeps finding his way back to that football club one way or another, doesn't he? Uh, a, a double from him, one from Beckwith and one from the precocious talent of Reece Smith, who I dare say we'll see in the Football League very soon. But Maidenhead, up to 13th. And uh, now... Uh, you know, almost as far away from the relegation positions as they are close to the, the playoffs. Yeah, and and I suppose what other teams towards the bottom of the table, we've just spoken about Kidderminster and the, the likes of, uh, of Ebbsfleet and Oxford City, 
is to look at Maidenhead and and see that you know just what a, a run can do. You know, Maidenhead have put that run together and have, have leapt up into mid table, and it's got to give hope to other teams that they can do that. Every year we look at Maidenhead and go, is this the season? Is this the season that Alan Devonshire isn't able to work his magic? Well, doesn't look like being this season where um, he fails. Um, it's just an incredible job that he does at that football club. Um, and yeah, I mean, Oxford City will be hugely disappointed with that yesterday because they will have looked at that as a game that potentially, you know, that's one of the winnable fixtures for them if they're going to try and get out of trouble at the bottom. But yeah, they got well and truly devved yesterday. Yes, it's becoming a phrase now, isn't it? An official one. A couple of years it'd be in the Oxford English Dictionary, that one, Dev. Okay, we're going to have a look now at the National League's North and South. Okay, so we had a, a split in the weather, I think, at the weekend because uh, only three National League North clubs, or sorry, three National League North games went ahead. But uh, for the fixtures that were planned in the National League South, the vast majority of them went ahead. Uh, Braintree against Weymouth was called off due to the weather. And Eastbourne against Taunton started. In fact, Taunton led that 2-1 at half-time. And they'll have been pleased with the situation, Dickie, weren't they, at that point? But uh, the day was to get a little bit worse, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. Um, it abandoned The game abandoned due to fog. And, you know, when you're the side that's winning 2-1 away from home... Um, it might be reasonable. I've not seen any photographs of it to know how bad it was. And, you know, one assumes it has to be bad in order for the game to be called off. Um, but they will feel a little bit aggrieved at that, I'm sure. Um, you know, you get yourself into a, a winning position away from home and you hope to be able to see it through. And then heaven only knows the fog rolls in um, off the off from the coast at Eastbourne and the game's off. Um, so they're just going to have to try it all over again at some point. Well, fear not, National League South fans, because the eight games that did go ahead, there were a stunning 39 goals. I've just done that one on the calculator. The National League South games that went ahead averaged 4.87 goals per game. And uh, I don't know where to start, really. There were a couple of uh, four threes and a four two, uh, two or three three ones as well. One that really caught my eye, Dickie, um, if we don't sort of do it in sort of table form, was uh, a side in the playoffs, uh, at home to a side just outside of them with with, with big bigger ambitions to get in them. And that was Avely against Farnborough. Seven goals in that one. And uh, really, to be honest, with I think just literally about four minutes left of the 90, Avely were 3-2 up in that. But uh, Farnborough had other ideas, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um it was 1-1 at half-time in this one. Um, a goal from Ollie Pendlebury for Farnborough, equalising uh, Manny Ogunrinde's opener for Avely. But yeah, the second half was when it really went crazy. Ogunrinde added a second goal uh, to make it 2-1. There was a, th- a, go- a third goal from Alex Hernandez. That put them 3-1 ahead. And at that point, Avely must be thinking it's job done. But no, Farnborough came back. Aaron Cool with a penalty in the 77th minute got them back on level terms. Courtney Fern then put them, uh, oh, sorry, no, not on level terms, got them back to 3-2. Courtney Fern got them back on level terms after 86 minutes. And then Salim Saeed with a goal in the 90th minute meant that Farnborough literally, almost literally picked the pockets of Avery and disappear um, along with the three points that, Avely must have surely thought that we're going to be theirs with only about 15 minutes of the game to go. Yeah, and Avely, uh, sadly for them, drop out of the top three for the first time 
in quite some time in the National League South. One of the reasons for that is the continued good form of our very own Tom Langs, Hampton and Richmond. Um, another home win. Um, they waited so long for a home game this season, didn't they? And since they started doing them, they've got a terrific record. 1-6, lost one now. And they pretty much had it sewn up um, after half an hour. Rory, Dolans, uh, Rory Donaldson with uh, both of those goals. There was a, a little bit of a comeback from Hemel. Uh, some 15 minutes from time uh, with a Briscoe goal. But Hampton and Richmond march on and uh, they actually closed the gap on uh, Yeovil to five points now, um, albeit having played a game more. But all they could do was go ahead and take advantage of having a game when Yeovil didn't, Dickie, and they did it with summer plomb. Yeah, they did just have to get the job done and, and they did. And they've been doing that. Really, really, for the past couple of months of just having a look back through recent results, apart from a draw uh, away at Tunbridge Angels on the 7th of November, they have won every game they've played since October began, Hampton and Richmond. They were a run that started with a 2-1 win at Avon Waterlooville and the first weekend of October. And yeah, it's just W, 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 W all across the page after that incredible run. And um you know, I know the additional investment that's gone into Hampton and Richmond, we were thinking would make them, um, I'm not sure we make, think thought it would make them like out-and-out out contenders, but I thought we'd, we believed it would put them in there, um, certainly with the chance of the playoffs. Well, they might have a chance of doing a bit more than that now, I have to say. Mixed fortunes for some of the other sides in the playoffs. Uh, Joe's not with us this week to talk about a talky win. Oh, the irony. Uh, Dylan De Silva on the score sheet there and Bradley Ash, who he keeps telling us is Sean of all confidence. I think that might be his his, uh, his, his, his third late winner in the last four games. Uh, not that late, actually, just past the hour mark. Tunbridge Angels scored in between through Mampola. But uh, Torquay got it done. So did Worthing. They beat Chippenham 3-1. Uh, thanks to a hat-trick in that one from Pierce. Uh, they remain in the final playoff position but um, I said mixed fortunes let's talk about Bath City uh, home to Chelmsford who weren't far outside the playoff positions to be fair but uh, this one spun one way and then completely the other Dickie didn't it? Yeah it did um, Bath led quite early on in this one um, they had a goal from Cody Cook from the penalty spot after just eight minutes um, and then it wasn't looking good for Chelmsford at all when they had the fantastically named Jazzy Barnum Bob red carded after 40 minutes. Uh, Cook then scored a penalty, another penalty in the 42nd minute and they're 2-0 up against 10 men. Looked like they're cruising but there was just a little sting in the tail at the end of that first half in that there was an own goal um, uh, from Danny Greenslade for Bath which pulled it back to 2-1. Then it just looked like a completely different game in the second half by the looks of things. Um, I was going to suggest almost a completely different sport because there were two goals um, from hockey in that game. Freddie Hockey he scored a penalty in the 60th minute for Chelmsford to level it at two each and then scored a winner just two minutes later. Um, and yeah, the 10 men came from 2-1 down, actually 2-0 down um, to to uh, uh, you know, a, a completely incredible result, you know, given the, what they were facing, the situation they were looking at just a few minutes before uh, half time. And uh, yeah, as uh, as has been suggested to us there by 
um, our editor, Luke, who's just happened to have dropped in. Um, he does hope that one of those goals from hockey came from a short corner. Well, for him. All right. Nobody wants to finish in the bottom two in any division, do they? Um, and despite the fact that both sides are really, really adrift uh, there, the bottom two met in the National League South, Haven't and Waterlooville and uh, Dover. And it was another one of those cracking games. Um, haven't a Waterlooville who have really struggled to buy a win for quite some time. Um, said uh, cheerio to uh, their manager after a relatively short stint in the week, didn't they, Dickie? And uh, lo and behold, they went and got a win, 4-3. Um, and Steve King is uh, looking for a club again. Yes, he is. Yeah, um, Steve King. Um, there must have been times when he felt more like King Canute, I suggested in the week of trying to turn back the tide at Haventon Waterlooville with no success. Um, and wouldn't you know it, as soon as he leaves, they get an instance of that tide potentially turning. There's still a lot of work for them to do but you have to say possibly some of the investment they've made in their forward line recently really paid off in that result yesterday they had a goal from Ryan Seeger um, I think he came aboard from Dorking Wanderers um, after just five minutes Jake McCarthy got a second goal for them after just 12 minutes um, Dover did pull it back to 2-1 by halftime James Dunn on target but then two goals from Kieran Phillips he's on loan from Kidderminster Harriers having had a really good season at Gloucester last season he scored in the 50th and 64th minutes to make it 4 one and that's looks pretty much game over by that point Dunn did get a second penalty in the 75th minute to cut the deficit and there was a goal for George Wilkinson in injury time to make it 4-3 probably making it look a little bit closer than it actually was and uh, that's a much needed boost for Haventon Waterlooville as I say they've still got an awful lot of work to do um but really interesting to see who they might go for now. They've got a temporary management team in charge at the moment um, and who might be able to come in and, and turn their fortunes around because they've been a club that's been certainly underachieving and, and on a backslide for, for a little while now. Uh, and, you know, that they could do with uh, somebody who's going to come in and reinvigorate them and re-energise them because they've, they've been a club that's been going backwards, basically. Yeah, and... Uh... They uh, remain 13 points adrift, despite the win of a position of safety, uh, mainly due to uh, Truro City's uh, 3-1 win pardon, against uh, St Albans City. Um, those uh, second-half goals uh, took them clear of St Albans, who pulled back a late consolation. Um, good news for, for Truro City uh, on the pitch and potentially off it too. Yeah, I don't know too much of the detail, but there was certainly um, it was being reported in the week that there was um, new investment coming for Truro City um, from Canadian investors, um, which is uh, certainly an interesting one, whether this is another instance of, you know, people from overseas in the way that, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Ron McElhenney have come in, you know, I'm sure Truro um, being as remote as they are would be, an interesting story for a, a documentary. I don't know if that's part of the plan. I'm I'm only joking there. But yeah, they certainly um, have had a very positive week with the news that investment's coming in. I say a 3-1 win yesterday. Goals from Neil, Dean and Porter. Um, George Hoddle was on target again for St Albans. We mentioned him last week. And I think we said that he's something like a second cousin of Glenn Hoddle. Um, he's certainly making um, or making a few waves in non-league scene. But uh, yeah, it was Troy who took all the real headlines yesterday. Just one other game in the National League South. It was another one with six goals. 
And Western Supermare heaped more misery on Welling United, who uh, remain in those uh, relegation places um, after a 4-2 win. Notable for the fact that Ruben Reed, a player we've seen uh, plenty of in the National League, uh, dropping down now to the south with Western Supermare. And he was at the double in that win, which takes Western Supermare to a very healthy 14th place now. Just six points off the playoffs and uh, five ahead. I beg your pardon, seven ahead of the relegation zone. OK, then, Dickie, just the four, six teams, three games, sorry, survived in the National League North. You can take us through those, if you like. Um, who played and who got it done? Yeah, it was a very sparse day in the North yesterday, again, owing to the um, freezing conditions which um, wreaked havoc on fixtures, really, and mean there's going to be some... There's going to be some quite long-distance um, Tuesday night rearrangements taking place as well. Um, Hereford and Scunthorpe was uh, a fixture that probably a lot of people had eyes on because Tamworth, the leaders, uh, they weren't able to fulfil their fixture. They were away at Warrington. Scunthorpe um, were able to take advantage of Hereford um, at well, they, would, they did take advantage of Hereford. They were able to take advantage of Tamworth, Tamworth being inactive. Um, to go back to the top of the league with a 5-1 win away at Hereford. It was 4-0 by half-time. The game all over before the 45-minute mark. Goals from uh, Whitehall, uh, one for Kelly, two then for Jacob Butterfield. He was National League North Player of the Month um, just recently as well. Jason Cowley did get a goal back for Hereford in the 62nd minute. But then Callum Roberts on target uh, with a fifth goal for Scunthorpe. Nice to see Callum Roberts making his way back. We know that you know, he is such a talent, but we also know that he is sometimes beset by injury issues. He did score their winner last week. He's got another one there. We hope for better times for him because he is, um, as I say, a prodigious talent at this level and that's why Scunthorpe went out and got him um elsewhere Brackley they stayed in touch with the top with a 2-1 win over Boston United another disappointing result for Boston goals for Zach Lilly and Morgan Roberts in the first 15 minutes of that game for Brackley had them 2-0 up Brad Nicholson did get a goal in sec in first half injury time for Boston no goals in the second half and that's how it stayed and there was one other fixture, and it was the one other fixture was the one that I took in yesterday. I made a trip to Dales Lane to see uh, Rushall Olympic against Bly Spartans. Now, I'm sure Bly Spartans would be relieved that this game went ahead, given in, in, uh, in terms of the distance they would have to cover to get this one. Um, and they would be especially thrilled but that they came out with a victory at the end of it. Uh, the goals from um, Andre Landell in the first half for Rushall that had them 1-0 up. And they did also have some chances. Um, but the game did very much hinge in the second half on the sending off of Sonny Singh, the Rushall Olympic player. And this is an interesting one. You might want to search this one out um, on social media if you can see it. Singh was sent off a second yellow card for what we can only assume was judged as kicking the ball away. He was put through on goal, was quite wide of goal. Um, I think the offside flag went up, up, but he took his shot and the ball ended up going over the bar. As the players were making their way back to the halfway line to wait for the goal kick, the referee booked him. The second yellow said that was kicking the ball away. And I know um, when I spoke to manager uh, Liam McDonald after the game, he was he was annoyed about it. He wasn't incandescent. I'm not going to you know suggest that he, he, he was 
you know, overly angry with it. He was certainly disappointed with the result and agreed that it did hinge on that one. Um, but he just felt the referee um, could have applied a little bit more common sense to that one. He felt that if Singh had taken the shot and the ball had actually hit the goalkeeper, then we wouldn't even be looking at, an, a, you know, an instance of kicking the ball away. It would just be a shot that he took, that, that the keeper stopped even after the whistle had been blown. I say it changed everything. Blythe looked a much, much better side um, against the 10 men and they capitalised. Uh, Michael and Jolie, he's on loan to them from Hartlepool United. He got them level in the 58th minute. Will McGowan tapped in from close range in the 68th minute and then there was a goal injury time for Cedric Main to wrap it up. Um, and that made for some very happy Blythe Spartan fans, including... Mark Wilkinson, um, who I spoke to at halftime, having seen him at a number of uh, visits to Telford with his flag with Coventry Spartans on it. I was intrigued to know how somebody from Coventry ended up being a Bly Spartan supporter. They are also the Canuck Bly Spartan Supporters Club, who are literally about five miles away from Rushwall yesterday. It's got to be one of the shortest distances they've ever covered to a game. So, yeah. I spoke to Mark at half-time and he told me uh, about his relationship with Blythe Spartans. Uh, half-time at Dales Lane. Uh, it's not the result that the two gentlemen stood in front of me would like at the moment because Spartans are 1-0 down. But I've got um, Mark Wilkinson, who uh, is a Blythe fan, but uh, carries with him a flag, the Coventry Spartans. And I've always thought there's a bit of a story behind this. So, uh, Mark, tell me a bit more about it. Well, uh, the story goes back about 30 years when uh, I met a young lady from Blythe and started uh, going to the matches. Um, children uh, arrived on the scene, so uh, it was a case of um, taking the children to see the mother-in-law um, when Blythe were at home. So uh, the obsession uh, started there. Um, in the centenary season, I actually wrote a book, My Mother-in-Law Loves Football, which uh, was a diary of the season following Blythe. Travelled about 7,000 miles that season um, and sold that to raise funds for the ground. Um, then uh, we split up and uh, basically she got the house and I got the football club. Okay, so you're, you're still wedded to Blythe's Bottoms though, despite I am. that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, but I've seen Blythe now uh, about 104 different grounds. Wow. Um, a very good friend of mine, uh, Graham Mush, who writes the Bly Spirit blog, um, wrote an article about that, so that's on his WordPress blog. Um, so I think uh, I'm 103, 105 grounds now. Wow. Is it a majority? Do you see Blythe away from home more than you see them at home? Yeah, more, more away games. Uh, I probably still do about 5,000 miles a year. Um, probably go up to Croft Park two or three times a year. We always sponsor one game. Uh, which we've done this year already in October um, and depending on relegation and things like that maybe a few more trips up there Sure, I mean clearly that is not, you, that's not what you want and we see it started fairly well underground Fenton it's tailed off a bit lately so what are your thoughts on it at the moment? I think the uh, start of the season we were higher than our league position was probably better than we a lot of fans were thinking we would be and I think where we're at at the moment is a true reflection of where we are. We've got fairly small squad, um, quite inexperienced players at this level and, and also physically we're not as big as some of the other teams and I think that that's starting to take effect on where we are. Yeah, and that, that, I mean that... that we always think of Blythe and we always think of the impact that the travelling has on the team as well you know we look at some away games and you think 
that that's what Blythe do for virtually every away game. You know, sometimes it's you know the shortest distance to an away game can be. Well, I think they travel the furthest in the uh, Conference North. I know uh, Bishop Stortford are in the same league, but but I think uh, I've seen somewhere that Blythe actually travel more miles uh, per game than any other team in the league. So yeah, it, it is going to have an effect on them. You know, uh, four hours on a coach and you arrive. An hour before kickoff, it's not long to stretch your legs and get yourself prepared for a match, really. Yeah. And of course, they're not going to pay for overnight stays because they can't afford to. No, no. I saw Graham Fenton speaking about that only earlier in the season, and yeah. you know, the, the potential, you know, impact that that might have on on results. And um, yeah, I, it's it's a difficult one because you know. Blythe do enjoy this name in non-league football. I think probably we said earlier from that you know famous 1970s oh, FA Cup run. Um, and you 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 not you're not you know, the only exile. I mean, there's this Canuck Spartans here absolutely. as well. Absolutely, there's um, guys from Sheffield. There's a guy from Lincoln who follows them regularly, um, and we all keep in touch. We know which games people are going to, and uh, yeah, it's, it's part of the. Um, the camaraderie really mm. and sort of obviously meet people like yourself oh, as well yeah, it feels like a family <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. and we know the director and the director will come over and say hello and thanks for the support and um, you know it's you you mean something it's not just like turning up as I have done at Molyneux and you're there in 30,000 and they really couldn't give a monkey's whether you're there or not <laughs> you know you, you're just a, a number whereas here they appreciate your support great stuff Dicky, you spoke briefly, I think, to uh, Russell Gaffer, Liam McDonald, as well, uh, and I know uh, we had some technical issues with with that, uh, but uh, perhaps you can just pray see it for us. Yeah, I'm a bit gutted for for Russell. Well, gutted for myself mainly, but also for Russell fans that I wasn't able to bring them that bit from Liam McDonald because, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed speaking to him. He was. Um, Yes, of course, he was a bit downcast about the fact that they'd um, lost the game yesterday. Um, felt that, you know, it was two sides who were trying to play football. And I have to agree with him. Um, you know, uh, it's an artificial pitch at Rush Hall. So um, they do try to keep the ball on the floor. It looked like a very different incarnation of Blythe that I've seen previously, Graham Fenton. They were playing the ball on the floor as well. And um, yeah, and it was quite a, a good game. I say it was, it did hinge very much on that sending off. Ultimately, Liam McDonald is disappointed, but said if we can get a couple more wins in the bag before Christmas, get close to the 30-point mark by the time that the Christmas holiday comes round, that, you know, he would feel that they were, you know, probably achieving um, maybe as much as they could have hoped for, maybe even a little bit more um, this season. They are a decent side rush all Olympic. I don't think fan or teams like going there. Fans should like going there. They get a very warm welcome. Um, but yeah, they took a point off Chester there in the week as well. So they are a, a competitive side. Um, and yeah, it was... I did stand with the Blythe Spartans fans for the game. And I'll be honest with you, we didn't even see the sending off because it was so innocuous that I think we saw the shot on goal go over and just all turn back to start to talk to one another again. And it was only a few minutes later where somebody said, have you noticed they're down to 10 men? And we literally didn't see the sending off because it was so innocuous an incident. But um, yeah, listen, um, 
I'm sure. But you had a cracking time. Yeah, we even did. Though you we didn't did. See the sending off. No. Yeah, you did it. You had a cami moment, didn't I you? Chris did. Kamara. Yeah, we, Good job you know, we weren't doing live reports no, in the game. No, we we were we were joking <laughs> about the fact that you know the the, the Chris Kamara resemblance. It, it brought to mind my own fact that I missed a sending off at Bradford Park Avenue for Telford last season as well so I don't have a particularly good track record on this I think my visit to the opticians might be overdue Great stuff as always Dickie thanks for rounding up the National League North so in the week we've got uh, uh, one or two FA Cup uh, ties or replays Um, no do that bit again in the week we've got one or two FA Cup ties going ahead of course the replays will be the following week and uh, there's a couple of games in the north on Tuesday Chester take on Brackley and Hereford take on Warrington and uh, quite a full set of fixtures in the National League South as well so we'll dip into them next weekend when we come back Um, Dickie thanks uh, for joining us as ever no you're very welcome good to speak to you as always and thanks to our producer Luke Edwards Uh, and on that note Luke play the theme tune (laughs) 